Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's nice to see so many of us come here to worship the Lord. Because truly, that's what we're going to do. I want to speak to you a few minutes about the temptation. I know where your mind's going. You think I'm going to talk about the temptation of Christ. I am. But I'm going to talk about the temptation that we all face every day. And I'm not talking about individual sin. Because we all face temptation of individual sin. But I'm talking about the temptation of the world. Discouragement. Discouragement. Because the devil has in his toolbox all kinds of things that he'd like to use against you. One of the biggest ones, though, is just to get you disinterested in the gospel. Just to get you to turn your eyes away from the cross. Just to get your eyes focused on the temporary things of this life. That's what the devil would like to do. Well, our Lord and Savior came here and he sacrificed himself every day that he lived, including the last one when they put him on that cross. But we've got to realize that Jesus came here and he faced every temptation that you and I do. You think he didn't have doubt? We have doubt. You, didn't, you don't think he had a little depression? We have that. You don't think he had anxiousness? We have that. You don't think he had the same emotional maladies that we have? What about the physical maladies? You think he got hot? You think he hurt? Do you think he got tired? You see, Jesus is just like you and I. And that's why he's the author of our salvation. It's because he shows us that we can walk this life. Now, we can't walk it like he does. Because he's our Savior. And he did it in a way that he could become the sacrifice. Give us what we need. Completeness before God. That we can walk before God even though we're frail. Because I have sin. You do too. But we aren't like the world to where our eyes are always focused on living in sin and just doing anything that we please out here. Our eyes are focused on God. And although sin comes to bite us every now and then, the biggest one that the devil wants to work on us is discouragement. We need to understand that it's got to be a spark within us to love God a little bit, but we love him because he loved us first. And when we don't realize the absolution of salvation and the hope of salvation and the reality of salvation, even in our present life, then our faith isn't growing where he wants us to because he wants us to fly above this world and all of its carnal maladies that are out here. Are we going to die? Yeah. Physically, we are. Are we going to get sick? Yeah, we're going to get sick. Are we going to have all the things that come upon man down here? Yes, we are. But there's a difference between you and I. And it's right here. It's the Spirit of God within us. And so let's take a look at a few scriptures today. The first one we'll take a look at is Psalms 22. Psalms 22, verse 1. 
And we're going to read the first six verses there. Because I want us to see that we're not alone in our sufferings. And I want us to see that we need to have the sufferings that come along with life. If you're not suffering, something's wrong. If you're, if you're not being tempted, something's wrong. Because this is what we're up against in life. You see, other people are tempted to do different things. You all was tempted to come here this morning. Now, you might have been tempted to stay home. But you didn't. You came here. And so you overcame whatever the temptation is that's keeping all those people out there, you see. Psalms 22, first verse, he says, To the chief musician upon Eliab the Sherath, the Psalm of David, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest me not. And in the night season am not silent. But thou art holy, O Lord, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. Now I want to stop right there. This is a principle that we've got to come to understand. Trust and deliverance. You've got to understand that God wants you to trust Him. That's what faith is about. Faith is about trusting God. You've got a situation in your life that ain't cool? That's all right. Trust God. Because you're going to have them situations. We trust God to deliver us. And He will. But we've got to go through the trial. He's not going to deliver us before the trial. We can't expect God to take every trial out of our way because he didn't take it out of his son's way and we're to share in the sufferings of Christ. So I've got to look at my sufferings in a different way. I've got to realize that I love God and I want to be part of God's family. And I realize that he only calls us to righteousness. He never calls us to any unrighteousness or any ungodliness. And so we can trust him. When he calls us. They cried unto thee and were delivered. And we've got to realize that a lot of times we don't use that access of prayer and cry unto God. I got problems, you got problems. Are we, are we communicating that to God? Or we just think we can fix everything on our own. You know, because we tend to do that. We think we can fix everything. But we can fix nothing before God if it's not in Christ. Now, I told you I was a sinner a moment ago, but I'm also righteous. I stand righteous before God in Christ. So do you. So do you. If you sinned last week or this morning or whatever, you can just repent of that right now. Just decide you're going to change your mind. Now, you're going to be 100% successful? I doubt it. But you're going to work on it. Because what affects me does not affect you. But Christ was tempted in every point as we are. And we don't often consider that. That Christ also had to go through all of the things that you and I are going through. And he did that and showed us the way. Now he did it perfectly and I'm not going to do it perfectly and neither are you. But our faith isn't based on perfection. Our salvation is not based on perfection. It's based on faith. And my faith is going to lead me where? Well, it's going to lead me closer to God and out of the way of the world. 
They cried unto me, unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. They were not confused. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. Description of the Lord, description of us. We're not going to be popular out here in the world. The man of God is not popular out here in the world. Because the world thinks differently than we do. They put their hope and faith in different things than we do. And we ought to rejoice in that. When you're different than the world, you ought to go, well, you know, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because if I'm too conformed to this life, we're going to see in Scripture, that's not a good thing. I'm to be disjointed from this life in spirit and truth to God. I still have to make a living. I still have to deal with everybody, just like you do. But we do it under Christ with everything we do, no matter what it is. Turn with me to Psalms 22. I'm already there, excuse me. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. I'd like to read the first eight verses there because we've got to see ourselves. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with such a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us. Boy, there's a lot of sins that easily beset people. And I've had a lot of sins that easily beset me. But one of them is just apathy. Or I don't care enough to come or to be a part of it. Or I don't care enough to even practice it on my daily. I'll just do it on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever. The temptation is not looking to Jesus for every single thing in our life. Because until we glorify God by glorifying His Son, we're confounded like the world out here. Think about the world and the darkness that we live in. How do people know the truth when we're being told different stories every day? But we don't look to those we look to God. He'll tell us truth. Because what our, our journey? Is our journey the physical uh, Americanization of uh, being a, a patriot? Or is our journey being a Christian, no matter where we're at? No matter what time we're born in. No matter what country we live in. No matter what the political winds are. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us. Beset us. Turn us aside from the way. And let us run. Now notice he says, run but with patience. The race that is set before us. Now listen, the temptation is to you and to me. That race is set before us is set before me. I have my own race in Christ. You have your own race in Christ. My race isn't your race. You chose me to be an idiot. Stand up here. You were lucky. You didn't get that. See, and I'm having a little heart problems for it, but it's all right. Thing is, God chooses each one of us, and each one of us have our own temptations that we have to deal with. But we can understand that Christ came here and dealt with them all before we did successfully. 
And in him, in him, in the cleansing blood that he gives us, in Christ, all oh, we might fail, but guess what? We're going to get back up time and time again until we don't do it no more. Because we do love God. And we do appreciate Christ. And do we do believe the Word. And so we're going to look to Him for everything in our life. <clears throat> With patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What joy? The whippings? The disgrace things that they did to him? The spittings? The beatings? What is that what the joy was? No, no, that's the things he endured. And you don't think he had the temptations to give it all away when no one around him was supporting him? When everybody wanted him to hang on the church and they chose a thief over him to free Yet he hung on that cross because he was worthy to. If they had hung me on a cross, I couldn't have done a thing for you. I ain't worthy to be that sacrifice. Neither are you. Neither is anybody else in the whole history of the world except for one, Christ Jesus himself. And because he was able to be that sacrifice, he was able to cleanse us our sins, those that believe on him. He didn't say those that are perfect, thank God. No, I'd like to get to that perfection, wouldn't you? But that's not going to happen until we're in the heaven. You see, because we're in the physical body. We war with that all the time. But we all have a sin that easily besets us, turns us to the side. And that's the temptation, whatever it is, that would keep you from Christ. I don't care what it is. And the joy that was set before him is our salvation. As unworthy as we are, humankind, I'm not talking about Vincent Church Christ. I'm saying as unworthy as we are as a humankind, he came here to make us worthy. As little as we've honored him in his in our life, he came here to make us acceptable and beloved. As little as we've ever done of anything, and I'm talking just me or you know, people of the earth. He come here to die for us. He gave his life. Not a life like you and I have. A life of sin, a life of negligence, a life of apathy, a life of all these things that happened to us. He came here and gave a righteous life. A sinless life. Showing that we could also live that way if we put our minds and hearts to him. Love God through Christ. For considered him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. That's where it's at, in our minds. He wants to weary you. He wants to get you faint. He wants to get you tired. And He wants to use whatever he can against you to get you to take your eyes off of Christ. That is the temptation right there. It's not the little sins we do. Oh, they're not right. They are sin. And we're wanting to move away from them. But the temptation is the moving away of Christ from, from our Lord. Because of our own selves. Because, well, I failed. And I tried again. I failed. And I tried again. I failed. 
And pretty soon, you just look at yourself and go, man, I'm a feather. And surely we are. And then finally in our failure, we Oh, oh, there was something for me that day that blood was shed for me, the failure. The one who doesn't want to give up, the one who will get back up, dust himself off, and look to Jesus, the author, finisher of our, of our faith. You have not yet resisted unto blood and striving against sin. See, we haven't done that. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. Children. We forget that too, don't we? We forget sometimes we're supposed to come to God as children. We forget what it's like to trust when we're children. But when we're small, we trust the adults around us. We don't know them that well. We just trust them. We don't know a thing about God. But when we're big, our trust isn't in an adult or in mankind. It's in God. You see. And that's where our trust has to lie. Because faith and trust go hand in hand. If we don't trust God, we don't have enough faith. Our faith isn't there. Maybe we need to bolster it. He can bolster our faith. You know, That's why we get together. It's to bolster our faith. I hope everything I say is an encouragement to you to look to God. My, my son, verse 5, halfway through it. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth. Now, I want you to look at that word loveth. That's a continual thing. If you're in Christ, he loveth you. Now, you can walk away from him. You can spurn that love. You can do a lot of things on your own like that, but you can also accept that love. You can also turn to him away from the world and understand that you were born into Christ. See, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Notice that word, receiveth. So, I'm a chastened and scourged son, but he, he says he's receiving me. Well, I got some scourging and chastening last week. I do every week, pretty much. So, he's loving me. Because I'm not going to take the scourging as bitterness or, oh, God, how could you do that to me? We're going to take it as, well, he wants me to know something. He wants me to learn something. It's for my benefit. My scourging is for me. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. Now, I did a lot of stuff when I was a kid. My dad never kicked me out of the house. He didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I might chase me around with the belt a little bit. <laughs> few things like that. They never did. Just kicked me out of the house. Why? Because I was a son. I was born into that. Family. Now he wanted to strangle me a few times. You know. But that's one of the things we do too. You don't think God wants to strangle us every now and then? Give us a little discipline. 
straighten your head up, clear it up, you know. For what son is whom the father chasteneth not? If ye be without chastisement, how are that you are partakers? You are then bastards, not sons. See, we're not going to be without chastisement. We're not going to be without trouble. We're not going to be without those things. And the greatest temptation is to keep looking at Christ no matter all these problems. No matter what comes your way. Because God's got the answer. It's a spiritual journey we're on, not a physical journey. Turn with me to Luke 22. I study in this in Psalms 22 and Luke 22, and I confuse me a little bit. Verse 28 is what we're really going to look at, but we're going to read a couple of the verses. <coughs> He's teaching his apostles how to deal and how to serve. And he makes a comment in verse 28 that just shot out at me. This is the reason for the lesson, really. He said, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Talking to the apostles there. But I know that the apostles are for our example either. And so you can almost say, We are they that continue in his temptations. Because he was tempted at every point like we are. And we are going to be tempted. So who do we look at to lead us through all of these things? And that's what they ended up doing. They didn't understand everything. We just studied that this morning in class. They didn't understand everything, but they followed him. Now they had one that betrayed him. But think about the betrayer. That was the temptation to him. Think about it. They all heard the same stuff. They were all with him the same amount of time. They all didn't get it just well as he didn't get it, but he, he thought he could profit from it in a carnal way. We've got to see the spiritual implication of suffering, the spiritual implication of the trials, the spiritual implication of the temptations that we go through because God is working with us. God's working with us. He's molding us into the spiritual man in Christ that he wants us to be. Or lady in Christ, as the case may be. But he wants us to be that person in Christ, and he's molding us into that. And so I have deficiencies, and he's squeezing them out with his mold. And you do too, but yours are different than mine. You see. And so he deals with me in one way, and he deals with you in another way, but it's all through Scripture and the Christ. It's also truth, spirit truth in Christ. He disciplines us if we take it as sons. You see, if we endure it. Let's go to verse 25, Luke 22. He's trying to tell them how to be. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they exercise authority upon them that are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. Now I want you to notice that almost in every case, the Lord will show what the world is, and then he comes around and he says, but you won't be that way. Now listen, he's talking to us too. This is the way the world's going to be, but you're not going to be that way. 
you're going to be different because why? The spirit within you is seeking God. The spirit within you is subject to your Lord. The spirit within you is trying to figure it out in Christ. Reading his word, you see. But ye shall not be sold, but he that is greatest among you, let him be the younger, and he that is chief, as he that does serve. For whether is great, he that setteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that setteth at meat, but I am among you, is he that serveth. That was the mind of Christ. He came here to serve mankind. He served us to this very day because he's the only way that we can get to God. He's the only way that we can absolve ourselves of the things, mistakes that we've made. <coughs> Our sin. And the only way that we can get to him is not to succumb to the temptation of God that the devil would have us to. To be discouraged. To be apathetic. Not to be part of the brotherhood. Not to be part of Christ. Hebrews 2. We're going to go down about verse 9. We have something that we can take a look at. First, word, first words there is that we see Jesus. We've got to understand that that's what we see. We're looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're not looking to the world. We're not looking to man-made religions. We're not looking to the preacher. I'm just a voice. You're not looking to anybody, but you are looking to Christ. And with that, you reflect that to your brethren. Because we're one with another, you see. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's why he was done it. For the suffering of death. Guess what? You and I are also going to suffer death. Not as he did, but we're all going to lay down one day and die. Crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So, so the death that I deserved, he tasted for me. He took upon himself to love us that much, to taste death for every man. Come down here and suffer with all maladies we suffer with. If you don't think he ever stubbed his toe, then you're not thinking about it the way it is. If you don't think he ever had problems in the heat or in the cold, you're not thinking about it the way it is. Because he's just like you and I. For it became him, verse 10, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus was perfect through suffering. Captain of our salvation. So, if we have the mind of Christ, if we share in the sufferings of Christ, we'll start to have a little bit more understanding about what the devil's trying to do to get us away from our Lord. You see, it's not the individual sins, 
But they do add up, you see, because that wars with the Spirit. And the devil uses your own sins against you to get you discouraged. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. That's you and I. <laughs> For he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Wow. You think about that. That's Jesus. That's our Lord. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Why? Because we've suffered with him. And we've struggled with him. Now did we do like he did and was perfect in all points? No. We have the shame of our humanity and our ignorance and our apathy and all of our things that we do. But we have glory of Christ and the fact that he loved us enough. That he sacrificed himself and he made us so he knew who we were going to be. He knew everything that I've ever went through in my life up to this day. And he knew it before they happened. He just seen how I handle it. To see how I handle it. You know? How will you handle it? How will you handle life? Handle life with Christ? Or handle life by your own bootstraps? Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. You see, it's a matter of trust. And again, behold, I and the children which God has given me. For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. You ever been tired? Sleeping? Hurt? Excited? He took part of all of those things. <laughs> that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. See, that's what he destroyed over it. Yeah, we got sin, but I'm going to physically die. Hopefully not right now. You don't know. And if it were right now, I'm going to put a smile on my face because I've done the best I could. But he did everything. My faith is in him. I'm going home. <laughs> Because as much as I do try, I'm always going to be a little lacking in my not. But I'm not going to succumb to the temptation to fall away. The temptation to look away. The temptation to be apathetic. Right? The temptation not to care about God. Not to care about the children of God. That through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, you and me, who through fear of death, we do fear death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Bondage of what? Bondage of sin and death. Where did that, that, that curse of death? For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. You see, he didn't take on the nature of angels that come down here and was some kind of a specter or something. He took on him the seed of angels, or uh, the seed of Abraham. Well, what are we? Seed of Abraham. He lived by faith like we live by faith. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. All things. You ever had indigestion? Now, I'm being silly, I know. But I'm trying to get you down there in the dirt. 
Because that's where he's at, just like you and I. He had to wear uncomfortable clothes and be hot and sweat and cold and miserable. All the same stuff we got to go through. And then he had people hating him everywhere he went, trying to kill him, trying to trick him, and the devil was against him, taking him out there in the wilderness and tempting him and everything else. But yet he came through all of that to purchase us with his blood. Wow. That's pretty amazing because I don't think that we stand up to that, but he makes us worthy, so we've got to accept it. We're so busy being down on ourselves, we don't realize that Christ made us worthy. I didn't make myself worthy. I'm just thankful that he did. You can't be perfect. You can't take all the things in your life and add them up and go up there to judgment day and lay them down for God. Hey, look what I did. Because you can't, because he gave you everything he ever had. You can't give him something he already owned. He gave you life. The only thing you give back to him is the same thing. Life. Your life. Your heart. Your mind. Your soul. That's the only thing you own. That's the only thing you own. You couldn't give him five dollars if you wanted to. Try it. You couldn't give him all. Try to write him a check. You give him all your bank account. Ain't gonna do no good. That's not what he wants. He wants your heart. The only thing you own is your soul. And you've got to decide how you're going to do it. Are you going to let the temptations of this world and of the devil get you to look away? Or are you going to keep your eyes fixed on Christ and overcome every obstacle? Oh, they might not be easy. might be hard. might be discouraging. might be oh, all the things that we go through. might be worth it. Don't you think? was for Christ. He looked forward to the joy. What joy? Our salvation, brethren. We look in the, we look in the mirror and we say, they don't love me. I can't see that. I don't even love myself. That's us, human. He's not looking at it like that. Don't count God as a human. He ain't like you and me. If you slap me, I may slap you back. I try to be good. But I know myself better than that. I mean, I might slap you back. But here's the thing. God wants us to understand who we are. That we're the recipients of this salvation that he's freely given to us if we continue with him. If we continue with him, stay away from that temptation of looking away and being apathetic. We want to be hot, not, not uh, cold and not lukewarm. Verse 17, Wherefore all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered and been tempted, he is able to succor them, to help us that are tempted. He's able. He's, we're not able. I'm not able. But he is. He makes his name. Turn with me to... Hmm. Psalm 119.
We're going to be down in about 112 to 119 is where we're going to be. I have inclined my heart, verse 112. I want you to look at the first couple, three words there. If I incline, incline is to be this way. You're inclining yourself a certain way. You can't, you can't go the other way. You're inclining yourself. You're gonna climb up something. If you're gonna climb an incline, you're not gonna lean way back on that ladder, are you? No, you're gonna be kind of close. You're gonna be inclined or climb up that ladder so you're safe. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. This is what the Psalms writer saying here. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Now this is, this is the mindset that we need to understand here. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Now, if we're running to the world for all of our answers, if we're running to the world for all of our emotional provisions, if you will, or our physical provisions, we're not running to God. And we're looking for him in the wrong place. What's that song? We got friends in low places. He was looking for friends in the wrong places. You can find them out there if that's what you want, but you can also find people in high places, spiritual people that love God. We hold God. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. There's the trust. Depart from me, evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according unto thy word, that I might live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Let's not be ashamed of our hope. Let's not be ashamed of our salvation. Let's not be ashamed of our God. Let's not be ashamed of our Savior. Let's not be ashamed of his word. Hold me, hold thou me up, and I shall be safe. And I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Now I want you to look at that. We want to come to God in transparency and honesty. You don't need to hide your sin from God. Because that's God. You think you're fooling God, you ain't fooling him. You might as well open it up. and Because he already knows. He's trying to see if he's going to trust you. He already knows how ugly sin is. Hello. He's trying to see if you're going to trust him. If you're going to become subservient to him. Listen to him. <clears throat> Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes. I don't want to do that. For their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the wickedness of the earth like dross. Therefore I love thy testimonies. Do we love God's testimonies? Do we love his precepts and his principles and his morality? Well, we really kind of don't. Because we have to work towards that. You don't automatically work up, wake up one day and go, oh, I just appreciate everything God done for you. You don't even know what God's done for you. 
you got to turn from one to the other first. And then you can enjoy the relationship that God wants you to enjoy. He don't want lukewarm. In Revelation, we read how he spews that out of his mouth. He doesn't want hot and cold. He doesn't want a fence setter. And he put an electric fence out there for some of us that like to set on the fence so that we have to either hop off one way or the other. You can't be neutral in Christ. You can't ride that fence. It just isn't there. But the 112th verse is the main one. I'd like us to turn to 133 in that same chapter. We'll start at 130. Well, let's go up to 129 in the 119th Psalm, 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. Now we've got to have that view. We don't always have that view. You know, when you first come into Christ and all that, and you start to learn about it, you don't know what's wonderful or not. And, and he tells you that sin's bad, and people out in the world, they think sin's good. Come on. You haven't thought a sin was all right and then found out you really were wrong? Okay, just me. But anyhow, what happens is we understand what God wants us to do. He says, the entrance of my word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Oh, thank God I'm simple. It giveth light. It gives us understanding. What does? His word does. Well, am I going to just wait around for it to interject itself miraculously? I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. No. I have to listen with my eyes. I'm going to have to get into the word. I'm going to have to look and see what he says. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Do we do that? Do we do that? Well, after sin has whooped us enough, we kind of do, don't we? <laughs> we do. Because after a while, we get tired of the world out there. Look thou unto me, and be merciful unto me, as thou used to do unto those that love thy name. Now, here's our key verse. Order my steps in thy word. And let no iniquity have dominion over me. Dominion. Rule. I want Christ to have that dominion and rule over me. Not sin. When sin has rule over me, and it has dominion over me, who am I serving? Let's not lie to ourselves. We're serving. We're not serving God. We've got to fight against that. Well, we can serve God even by the fighting, can't we? Even by the struggling, can't we? He loves us. He wants us to be victorious. But it ain't just easy or automatic. It's a struggle. If you're young, you'll struggle. If you're old, you'll struggle. If you got health, one day you may not. And if you don't, one day you did, probably. And we live in disappointment and all these other things that we can live in. But yet... We still have to overcome temptation of looking away. Temptation of not looking to Christ for every substance. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have any dominion over me. We want to have Christ and God over everything that we do in dominion over our lives. 
Deliver me from the oppression of man so that I will keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant and teach me, teach me, teach me thy statutes. Rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. See, there's always the war. It's always the war between the carnal, the physical, and the spiritual. It's all right. Christ won it for us. We're struggling in it. We're sharing. We're sharing in those sufferings. In our struggles. It's 10 after, and I've got quite a bit more, more material here. But I'm going to hit a couple of highlights, and then I'm going to let us go. I'm not going to read more scripture right now. We share our sufferings with Christ when we live this life and listen to him. Because you're not going to get out of suffering. People suffer out there as heathens for money and fame and everything else out there, and they'll give everything to their gods. We're not called to that kind of sacrifice. We're called to spiritual sacrifice. Matthew 26, 41 tells us to watch and pray because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You find that true? I find that true. The spirit is willing. That's why we have to bolster the spirit and build it up so that it's not so weak. Philippians 3, 8, 10 Paul counted everything he had as loss except for the, for the sake of Christ. And he had prominence. He had money. He had position. He had power. He had a lot of things. And he counted them all as loss because he could see that the carnal was nothing but that the spiritual was everything and that everything was in Christ. And so he counted all his things that he had whether it be the ego, emotional stuff or the physical stuff as loss for Christ. Romans 12, 1 through 5 tells us not to be fashioned to this world, to be living sacrifices. Because that's what we are. It's our reasonable service to be living sacrifices. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. We look to a city made by God, prepared. For his own. Now, I read that and it, it made me think. He prepared this world for us, for everybody, not just his own. The sinners out here in the world enjoy the world more than you and I do because they got more money in us and fame, fortune, all things in the world. And he prepared this for trial ground. But he prepared heaven for his own. So when we start to think that heaven's less than the life that we're living here, we're wrong again. Oh, you little faith. God has prepared us a place. Oh, he prepared us a place here. This is called earth. This is called the trial ground. It's also prepared us a place called heaven. It's nothing like this. Nothing like this. Better in every way. And to live a spiritual-led life in Christ, Romans 1, 8, 1 through 14. Those led by the Spirit are sons of God. Those led by the Spirit are sons of God. What's leading you this morning? 
What's, what's besetting you this morning? Is it Christ that's leading you? I know there's things besetting you. There's things that beset each one of us that take us off the directed path. I got them. I know you got them. But he says, bolster our faith in Christ that we can walk beyond those things and look to him, the author and finish of our, our faith because we have our temptations down here just as he did. And he came through them successfully and was able to pay for our sins. And because of that, we have salvation. And brethren, because of that, we ought to look at our lives a little differently. We ought to understand that God loves us. We ought to understand that God doesn't want us to fail, but rather has given us everything for success. If you're outside the body of Christ, there's nothing more that we'd love to do than baptize you into Christ. If you're a Christian, I hope in some way this has helped you to understand a little bit more about God. Look to him, look to his son, look to his word. And come and meet with us. Because this is where we study God's word. Let's stand and sing close to God. Thank you for listening. <clears throat> I miss